Amen. I'm looking forward to hearing the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 22. Amen. How many want the Lord to help us this morning? Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 22 and just a few verses of uh, scripture. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Amen. He had went away, amen, for a time to pray, a time to gather his thoughts, a time to mourn, a time to grieve. Uh, as we'll learn here in a few moments, uh, the full context of this chapter, number 14 of the book of Matthew. Uh, but it says, but when the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. He was walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Amen. He probably thought, that's so cool. I want to try that trick too. That's pretty neat. I want you to ask me to come, Lord. I want to try and do that same thing of walking on the water. And verse number 29 says, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Someone say that with me. He walked on the water. Amen. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Amen. Why don't we set our Bibles aside and ask the Lord to help us and to talk to us this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. I ask you, Lord, to talk to us today. I ask you to anoint my lips of clay, God. Help me to speak as the mouthpiece of God. I pray you would anoint every heart and every mind, Lord, to become receptive, Lord, to your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord, we not fail to give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. Amen. I don't know how many of you have perhaps had the uh, uh, the joy of going to a circus. Uh, I went to one a few years back. I think it was uh, Barnum and Bailey. And they had a really awesome circus they had in San Jose. And I uh, don't usually like to spend, you know, $50 to go to the different shows. Kind of a few of cheapskate when it comes to spending money on those things. Because I spent $50 and I walked away an hour later with $50 less. And I just have a memory, but uh, I don't know. I, it's just, that's just me. Uh, but we went to, a few years ago to the Barnum and Bailey Circus, and they have so many really cool uh, 
things that the actors and actresses do. Uh, there's one I remember uh, specifically that I thought was probably the coolest thing of the circus was they had this big round cage. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's a big round cage, and there's a little entryway and a little ramp that leads up into that little uh, door, if you will. And in that uh, particular um, cage, uh, it's very, it's, it's a pretty large cage. Uh, and into that cage, that door, you have one after another dirt bike riders begin to ride up into that cage, and they begin to go around and around. They do a full loop, uh, and then you have one doing his thing and another one doing his thing. And then before you know it, somebody else joins in there and they're just doing all these spiral things and you're wondering how in the world nobody's hitting each other or dying or there's not sparks flying. Uh, but that's one of the really cool things that you see at the Barnum Bailey Circus. This is not an advertisement, just a disclaimer. Uh, but another thing that I thought was really cool is they have, uh, they have the tigers, uh, the lions, that they jump through this flaming hoop. And you think, wow, that's so cool how they can train an animal to do some of those things. Uh, and then they have, uh, they have those, those other actors, actresses, whatever, the uh, gymnastics. Uh, they, uh, they swing from the ropes and, and they do all these different things where uh, one lady is swinging from a rope and then she, she lets go and she releases and somebody else grabs her by the feet or whatever and they swing her back and forth and, and doing all these tricks. And then there's another one that's really, really Cool. Um, I don't know if they still do it that often, but one of the other things that's really neat, if you uh, have the chance to see it uh, at some of those circuses, is very, very high up in that tent, uh, at two different points in that tent, there's uh, there's two tall things that you could two tall uh, ladders or if you are stairways that you can climb up uh, to nearly the top of the tent, and at the top of those two uh, platforms, there's a rope that is connecting. The two platforms, and I've seen anything from people just walking the tightrope uh, with a big beam or a big uh, sort of a rod that they hold and they're balancing it. Uh, it's helping to balance them as they walk across that tightrope. And then I've seen others where on that tightrope from two platforms, they're on a unicycle and they're they're riding across. And you know, you're thinking, oh my God, like what is the deal? How are they going to do this? Uh, we would never attempt that without a lot of training and a lot of guts and and you know I mean there's a whole lot that's involved in that uh, but it's a very amazing feat the thing of walking the tightrope and you think how are they able to accomplish that without uh, just on a single rope and perhaps you may have been so bold and courageous as a young person and tried the tightrope after you went to a circus uh, a lot a lot of times when you're growing up and you you uh, see something a really cool. Uh, trick. You go home and you want to try the trick. Uh, if you are out at the park and you're watching a basketball game and you see someone slam dunk, you're thinking, well, I want to try and slam dunk and I want to try and repeat what I just saw. Uh, and I've tried, you were doing the tightrope, uh, not on some very high platforms, but just, you know, I think I think Great America has uh, one of those things where you can do a little tightrope walk and you can try and attempt it. And you find very quickly how wobbly that rope is. And how unstable you are and how very difficult it is to walk the tightrope. Uh, and one of the things uh, that is discovered when researching a little bit more of the experience of walking the tightrope is the, uh, the gymnasts or those that are walking the tightrope have one thing that they're doing when they're on the tightrope is they're fixated. Their focus is, is directly upon a specific point at the other end of that line. 
they're, they're looking at a specific uh, marker on the other side, of, on the other platform of where that tightrope is connected to. And without that fixation, without that focus upon the other point uh, that's on the other end of that tightrope, they would, they would look to the side, they could look to the side or they could begin to hear the crowd screaming or they could begin to uh, see other things, other distractions and it would cause them to lose their balance. And you uh, can quickly discover how very important it is for that gymnast to keep their focus fixated on the end of, on the other end of that tightrope, on that specific marker, that specific point. Because if they at any time on that tightrope lose the focus uh, on that particular marker, amen, they are susceptible to falling and probably sudden death as they fall to the concrete floor. I think they probably got a little bit smarter through the years and put that that big netting across the floor. And so in case they do fall, they have a little uh, bit of a reprieve and they can uh, perhaps survive. Uh, you know, I don't know all the things. Uh, I haven't done that, uh, you know, in the circus. I'm not some kind of crazy uh, medieval, Knievel kind of a person. But there is something to be said about having the focus. You're focused on the main thing. And if at any time that gymnast that walking that tightrope loses his focus on the main thing, uh, they will die. They will lose their balance and, and it will all come crashing down. I want to talk to you today for a few moments on keeping your focus on the main thing, keeping your focus on the main thing. And I want to for a few moments extrapolate some some ideas and some thoughts from Matthew chapter 14 of the Gospels. Amen. We can. Uh, if we're not careful, just be so laser focused uh, on, on just this one particular passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 33. And we can think, wow, that's so cool how Peter could have his eyes fixed upon Jesus and he could walk upon the water. But I, I want to for a few moments, amen, rewind the tape, if you will, to the book of to the same chapter, but the very first verse of that chapter. And it begins to lay the groundwork. Uh, it begins to tell us the background how that the uh, the king Herod at the time uh, he was he was uh, reigning over the kingdom. Herod was king over the, over the entire uh, land, and he had absolute power. Herod had absolute power. Whatever he said was law. Amen. If he made a decree, it was law. It would happen. And the Bible says that there was a specific party uh, that uh, a feast that was happening in this chapter. And the Bible says that Herodias, uh, which was uh, Herodias, the Bible says in verse number three, for Herod had laid hold on John, talking about John the Baptist, and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. Amen. The, uh, the sister-in-law, if you will, of King Herod uh, was engaged in this particular story. She was the driving force behind John the Baptist being in prison. And the Bible says that on this particular uh, birthday in verse number six, when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Amen. Her, the king Herod was in an adulterous relationship with uh, his, his brother's wife. And, and John the Baptist was such a prophet of God, such a man of God that he confronted uh, he, he confronted that adulterous relationship uh, and he, he preached it. He, he uh, revealed it uh, and he, he preached against it and they did not like it. Herodias wanted to live in sin. Her, King Herod wanted to live in sin and didn't want nobody to know about it. Uh, 
And because of John the Baptist's boldness and confronting sin, he was cast into prison. But that wasn't enough for Herodias. She wanted John the Baptist to die. And the Bible says that Herodias' daughter danced and it pleased Herod. And I don't know exactly why some people do this, but uh, it pleased Herod so much that he offered to give Herodias' daughter whatever she asked for. A little bit of a risky thing. Amen. Somebody makes you happy and you suddenly promise them the world. You say, well, whatever you want. Amen. I'm just so happy I'll give you anything. Uh, And he stepped out and he did that, King Herod. And the Bible says that Herodias' daughter uh, went to her mother and said, the king just promised to give me anything. What do I do? I need some counsel, I need some wisdom. And in her wickedness and her sinfulness and her bl- the blindness of her heart, uh, she, advised Herodias, she advised her daughter, why don't you ask for John the Baptist's head? On a platter. And she's probably thinking, man, mom, that's like a sick thing. What, what kind of. Uh, but she was in, encapsulated, perhaps, I don't know, with the, uh, the whims, the desires of her mother. She wanted to please her mom. And so she came back before the king and all of his subjects, all of his, all of the princes and all of those that served in leadership in Herod's kingdom. And before all of them, Herodias' daughter said, King Herod, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Before nightfall. And perhaps King Herod said, oh boy, what do I do? In fact, verse number nine says that the king was sorry. But nevertheless, for the oath's sake and them which sat with him at me, he commanded it to be given to her. And the Bible says in verse number 10, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. Now I want to remind you of who John the Baptist was. He's not just some... Uh, some disconnected prophet in the New Testament. But John the Baptist was the second cousin of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This was a very close kinsman of Jesus. And you want to know the heart of God. You want to know the things that affect God. Amen. The Bible says that when this took place. Amen. It was the Bible says in verse number 13. When Jesus heard of it. He departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. He said, I've got to get away. I've got to go somewhere and I've got to mourn for a while. I've got to, I've got to stop the mission, if you will. I've got, to, I've got to stop what I'm doing. I've got to find a place to, to just mourn and to grieve for a bit. And Jesus, that was his intent. I've got to find a place to mourn. I've got to find a place to, to consider this and to, and to just uh, dwell on this for a while and to remember the things but the Bible says, uh, amen, in verse number, uh, verse number 14, uh, it says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, the people heard that Jesus went to be apart from, uh, from the disciples, that when they heard it, uh, they followed him on foot out of the cities. He was looking for a time to get away. He was looking for a time to have some mourning, some grieving, to perhaps reflect on himself, reflect on John the Baptist, reflect on the loss in his family. But I would tell you today that as the people, uh, they followed Jesus into the wilderness. The Bible says that verse number 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion, moved with compassion towards him and he healed their sick. In other words, Jesus, uh, amen, had that laser focus 
on the mission that he had been sent to do. Amen. Jesus realized within himself, I may encounter some hardships. I may encounter some difficulties. I may deal with some losses in life. But I cannot forget. I cannot lose my focus. I have to be laser focused on the mission of doing the will of God. Amen. Things may arise in my life. It may get hard on the road of life. But I've got to keep my focus because the Bible says that the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when he had made up in his mind, I'm going to just go and I'm going to grieve. I'm going to just soak for a while. I don't know all the things that took place in Jesus' mind. Amen. But he still had that laser focused. If I see somebody in need, if I see somebody that has a need to be healed or they desire me to move in their life, I will stop what I'm doing and I will heal them. I will do, I will fulfill the mission that I've been sent to do. And Jesus had that focus on the mission. He had that laser focus on doing the will of God. Amen. I would challenge each and every one of us this morning. Amen. Do you have that desire, that intense desire? Is your focus on doing nothing else but the will of God? Is He still the most important thing in your life? Amen. Will things get hard and difficulties arise? Amen. Will you determine in your mind, I started out this race to follow Jesus, to please God, to have my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm not stopping until I reach that prize. Hallelujah. You've got to have that laser focus. You've got to keep your focus on the main thing. Amen. One person said it like this. Keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is still pleasing God. It's still serving God. It's still making it to the end. And hearing Him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that Jesus, in a time of grieving, when he wanted to grieve for his second cousin, amen, the Bible says not a greater prophet had arisen, amen, since John the Baptist. He was the greatest prophet, amen, that according to Jesus' words, amen, he was so near and dear, he prepared the way of the Lord. He had done so much, amen, to ensure the success of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus wanted some time alone. And the Bible says that after he had saw the the great multitude move with compassion, would move with compassion in healing their sick, the Bible says that the whole day was spent. The whole day was spent. Perhaps he's thinking, I just wanted to mourn, I just wanted to reflect, I just wanted to have some time alone. Bible says, verse 15, when the evening was come, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages. And the Bible says, we know the story that he had uh, multiplied the loaves and fishes. He had provided for them. He made a way for them. Jesus took care of the main thing. His focus was on doing the will of God. His focus was on fulfilling the, the mission he was sent to do. And then again, in verse number 22, 
Jesus thinks, perhaps, now I have a little time. The multitude's been taken care of. I've healed their bodies. I've fed their stomachs. I've, I've given them nourishment for their soul. I've provided for them. Now they can go on their way and their home. And 22 says, In straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Finally, Jesus has a second opportunity, a second chance. Now's my chance to kind of reflect, to kind of mourn, to just grieve, have some time alone, reflect. And in the midst of his uh, attempt at relaxation and reflection, amen, the Bible quickly jumps Amen. Into verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Jesus had that laser focused on the main thing. Amen. Was doing the will of God. The main thing was the mission that God had sent him to do. The main thing was still the main thing in his life. And while he could have the desire perhaps to sit in the corner to be alone for a while, amen, he realized that I must do the will of my Father. I must do the will of my Father. Amen. His eyes are upon you and I today. And Jesus desires to work again in your life. Amen. Nothing else is so important that he will not stop what he's doing and come right to where you are because I would tell you today that you are the focus of his attention you and I are the focus of his desire hallelujah 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 amen Jesus had his eyes on the main thing his eyes was on the mission of doing the will of God his eyes was on helping the multitudes that he had compassion for. His eyes were upon helping his disciples in a time of trouble. And so I would tell you today that Jesus will not ask you to do anything that he will not first do himself. Amen. Jesus did not ask anything of Peter that he had not already been practicing what he was preaching. Because the day came, the time came in this chapter of verse, uh, chapter 14 of Matthew, the time came when Jesus was walking on the water Amen. He was on his way to help his disciples. He was on his way in the middle of the night time. Amen. He knew exactly where they were. I would tell somebody here today in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of the midnight hour. Amen. God is working. He's working. He's walking to where you and I are to help you. Amen. Your prayers are already being answered. God's already on the way. Hallelujah, he's on his way to where you and I are. He knows what we have need of before we ask. Amen. Nowhere in the scripture in this particular chapter do we read about the disciples crying out for help. Amen. It tells me that before they whispered one prayer, before they cried one cry, amen, God knew exactly where they were. And he was going on his way. He was walking to where they were. Amen. He's already on his way to where you and I were. In the midnight hour, he knew where you were. He was walking. He was already working on your behalf. Amen. His focus was upon helping you and I, amen, to weather the storm and to emerge victorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that the disciples saw him 
walking on the sea. And Jesus said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter, amen, some may try to cast Peter as some crazy wild disciple. Amen, I love his personality. Amen. Perhaps that's indicative of, of my personality, but I, I love the personality of Peter. Amen, just reaching. Amen, didn't care what anybody thought. Amen. God, if there's something you have for me, if there's something you're doing, I want to be involved and I want to be right in the middle of it. Amen. The Bible says that Peter, he answered the Lord. He said, Lord, if it is you, God, if it's you, if it's really you, then bid me come. Amen. Bid me come unto thee on the water, God. If it's you, God, I want you. I want the same miracles in my life that you're experiencing in your life, God. God, if you can do something as great as walk on the water, God, you said greater works than these shall ye do, God. I want it for my life, God. I want the blessings of God. I want to take full advantage of the power of God in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. I will turn that story. Amen. Around those that try to convince Peter. Amen. How many others sat back on the ship? Amen. Leaving things on the table. Amen. Leaving things on the table. And God said, there's more that I've got in store for you. But somebody's got to get outside of their comfort zone. Somebody's got to step outside the boat and say, God, I want something greater in my life. I want the power of God in my life like never before. Hallelujah. Others may be satisfied to sit back on the sidelines. Others may be satisfied to sit back in fear. Amen. Protected by all the things in the ship. Amen. But I want to step out, God. And I want to put my eyes upon you. Hallelujah. I desire, amen, everything that God has in store for my life. I desire everything that God has for this church. I desire everything that He has for our families. Hallelujah. I don't want to be one that sits back on the boat and reflects back later in life and says, boy, what would have happened if I would have stepped out of the boat? What would have happened? Amen. I want to look back and say, hey, I took God at His word. I stepped out in faith. I kept eyes on Him. And God used me. God helped me. God empowered me. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And the Bible says that Peter, when he was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid. And we all know the application that as long as our eyes are on Jesus, everything else can be going crazy. But if we can keep our eyes upon God, we're going to be all right. And we think, wow, that's really cool. That if we'll just keep our eyes upon Jesus, that we'll be all right. You can accomplish some things outside of your power if you have your eyes fixed upon Jesus. If he continues to be the main thing in your life. Amen. God will use you. God will help you. 
to accomplish some things that you, some trials you thought, I can't get through this trial. I can't overcome this situation in my life. I, I can't make it on my own, but if you keep your eyes laser focused on God, amen, the impossibility of, of the gymnast walking the tightrope suddenly becomes feasible, suddenly it becomes doable if I keep my eyes on Him. Others may look and say, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you did it with all the things that came against you. Amen. And you will look back and tell them all I did was I kept my eyes on the main thing. I kept my eyes focused. Fixated my attention upon the King of glory. Hallelujah. 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 But it was when he put his eyes upon his surrounding situations. He put his eyes on the problems. Perhaps he began to analyze. That's a huge wave. I don't. I've never seen a wave that big. Oh my lord! Look at that. That that cloud just coming in right here for me. Oh my goodness! What is going on? He began to look around and begin to fear began to set. Then he began to perhaps look at himself. Who am I? I ain't got all the right equipment. I'm not. I'm not equipped for this kind of a storm. Amen. We've got to realize we cannot look. Amen. To others. Amen. We cannot begin to compare ourselves to the situation around us. We can't begin to look at ourselves. But we've got to keep our eyes fixed on God. God, I, I need you, God. God, you've got to help me to weather this storm. You've got to help me to fulfill the mission that you called me to fulfill. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got to get your eyes, number one, off of others. And put your eyes upon God. How many have come, amen, through the doors of the church, amen, throughout North America, throughout the world. And have perhaps felt God and they love what they felt. But then they got their eyes looking at everybody else in the church and thinking, man, this is a bunch of hypocrites. I don't think I can look for God next to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I just don't believe, amen, they, they just bother me, they hurt me, and they begin to get their eyes on somebody else, amen, that person offended me back in 2010, I've never gotten over that offense over here, I don't like the way he talked to me, I don't like the way he rubbed me, I don't like the way he looked at me, I don't like this, and you're getting our eyes on other people, and our eyes should be fixed upon God, amen, I have gone through some things in my life, Amen. Probably not as bad as yours. Amen. Not the things you've gone through. Everybody looks at their lives and think you haven't experienced what I've experienced. My thing is so different. Amen. I haven't experienced what you've experienced, but I have experienced some things in my life. And I have people that have offended me. I have people that have wronged me. I have people that I thought, well, they should not have done that. Amen. I didn't like the way that felt. I didn't like the way that situation went down. And, I, and my initial reaction was, well, I'm going to stop going to church. I'm not going to show up today. I'm going to let them know how upset I am. But I had to realize that's not the main thing. The main thing is I got to cross that finish line one day. I got to hear them say, well done, that good faithful servant. So whatever, whatever hurdles I've got to cross, I've got to jump over. Whatever ravines I've got to cross, I'm going to go through it. And I'm going to keep my eyes upon God. God, that person may have offended me. They, have, they, may, they may have wronged me, God. But I started out this race because one day I fell in love with you, God. One day I got my eyes on you, God. And God, the people, they may offend me, God. I pray to God that, that we can invite. I pray to God that we can make amends and we can be friends. That I can forgive them. And God, the most important thing, God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you, God. I'm not going to allow others to stop me 
I cannot allow others to stop me from getting what God has in store for my life. Otherwise, I enable and I empower others to control my future. If you allow someone that wrongs you or what have you to stop you from going to church or living for God, you've yielded all power to that other individual and they control you. I refuse to allow that to happen in my life. Amen. I, I want to give God all dominion over my life. Amen. The other thing that happens is we begin to get our eyes on the world. We, we, if we're not careful, we begin to get our eyes fixated on Hollywood and how they're doing things in Hollywood and, and the way that marriage and family is portrayed in Hollywood's eyes and the way that immorality is portrayed in the eyes of Hollywood and we can talk about that for a while amen we can get fixated on, on how the world how the world would try to define uh, marriage between a man and a wife how they would try to define sexuality and how they would defi- try to define morality and all the different aspects of life amen but we've got to keep our eyes fixed upon God amen. and not the ungodly Hollywood's life amen to encroach in our lives amen there is a time in your life when you've got to say I'm going to turn off the things of the world that I might have my eyes fixed upon God I've got to pursue holiness I've got to follow after God with all of my heart with all of my soul and the other element the third thing that I would tell you you've got to get your eyes off of self and it's so easy to just look at self in the mirror and think my poor life is just so messed up. My life is so hard. I got this and I got that. And, and look here, this is my life. And, and I got a track record. And we start just examining and looking at all the faults in our lives and thinking, man, I can't get past myself. I, I'm, such a, I'm such a failure. I'm such a, a mess up. I'm, I'm a big mistake. I'm an accident. I shouldn't have been here. And then we go on down the line and we begin to look at ourselves. And that can oftentimes be very depressing. Looking in the mirror can be very depressing. Not to say anything about your physical countenance, but you begin to look at yourself and you begin to pick apart everything that's wrong. Well, I wish my nose was a little different, my ears a little this, and my hairline's this, and, and we start finding every single thing wrong instead of realizing that he made me in the image of God. I've been made in the image of God. And Peter... Look everywhere else. At the moment he began to look everywhere else, amen, things began to fall apart. Things began to cave in on his life. But the Bible says, the Bible says that Jesus, when this began to happen, amen, it says, verse number 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. The only thing that can get you back on track is the intervention and the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God has to be the only thing. You've got to realize he's the only thing that can help me get back on track. He's the only thing that can lift me up out of this turmoil, this, this situation that I've gotten myself in. He's the only one that can help me. And when God stretches forth his hand, amen, he catches Peter and he begins to rebuke the wind and he begins to he begins to change the situation the circumstances of Peter 
Amen. When Peter begins to uh, again put his eyes upon the Lord and begins to reach out and cry out to God, God begins to move in his life and he begins to put his focus back on the main thing. Jesus again begins to become the main thing in Peter's life. And I would tell you that chapter 14, it ends with, amen, people coming to the knowledge of who God is. Amen. Matthew chapter 14 comes to the conclusion of everybody that touched him was made whole. Amen. When you begin to put him on a pedestal, you begin to look up to God and you begin to focus upon him and look to him to fix your problems and look to him and stop looking to everybody else. Amen. Stop looking within, but start looking up. Amen. There is a host of others that will be blessed. There's a host of others that will come to the knowledge of who God is. When you get your eyes and your focus on the main thing. When you get your eyes and your focus on the main thing. Amen. People will come and they will worship the God that you serve. Amen. People will come. Amen. They will have a knowledge of who God is. Amen. People will come. Amen. To the God that you serve. The God that you focus on. And they will find revelation. They will find healing. They'll find retention. Amen. All because you made up in your mind, I'm not letting anybody stop me from worshiping Him. From focusing upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. If the musicians could come. Hallelujah. We see Jesus. Amen. I'm preaching this morning on keeping your focus on the main thing. Keeping your focus on the main thing. Hallelujah. Keeping your focus on the main thing. And isn't it interesting how I felt like this morning as I was preparing to this message the devil tried to distract me with every other thing, every other care, every other worry, every other anxiety, every other frustration. And I have to say, God, this is not just for your church, but this is for me, God. Amen. I've got to keep my focus on the main thing. And it's doing the will of God. It's doing the will of God. There's going to be times you think, well, I just want to take a break. Perhaps Jesus thought, I just want to take a break, Sister Kim. I'm going through some things right now. My second cousin was beheaded. I'm hurting. But Sister Jean, I'm going to put aside the things, the legitimate reasons. Jesus had a legitimate reason to take time off from ministry. I got a legitimate reason, God. I just lost my second cousin just yesterday, God. He could have just said, you know what? Brother Nathan, tell those multitudes they can go find somebody else. Tell those multitudes they can go search someone else. There's a lot of false teachers in this world. Send them somewhere else. Send them somewhere else. I've got to grieve right now. But Jesus does not ask of you what he does not require also of himself. 
He could have stopped to say, right, let me take some time for myself. But instead, his focus was on doing the will of God. It was on the main thing. And so in the middle of his midnight hour, when he wanted to cry, when he wanted to weep, he looked out and he saw a multitude. The Bible says his heart was moved with compassion. I've got some problems in my life. I've got some things. I've got some reasons. And I'm not questioning your reason today. I've got some reasons why I can't do this and I can't do that. But if your eyes fix it on the main thing, God, help me to look up again and to see a world that's hurting. Help me to look up again and see a world that's hurting. Where can I serve in the kingdom of God? What can I do? Yeah, we all got busy schedules to keep. We all got jobs. God's blessed us. We got things to do. But Jesus focused on the main thing. And even the second time, he said, okay, I did my part. I took care of the multitudes. I fed them. I healed them. I instructed them. Let me have some time. Let me have some time to recuperate. Some time to regroup. And then quickly, verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. I would tell you that God's eyes are fixated upon His church today. God is fixated on His church going forward. Rising to the occasion and doing the Great Commission. Fulfilling the missio day, the mission of God. His utmost focus is on the people that are in this building on this Sunday morning. Amen. That's the focus of his attention this morning. If I can just get to where those people are, I can help them. Yeah, I've got some issues in my life. I've got some areas I like to grieve. I like to stop. But I've got to help the people of God. I've got to help the people of God. That's my main focus. And God, here this morning, is asking somebody here, will you make me the main focus in your life again? I'm not talking about just being faithful to church on Sunday morning. I'm not talking about just giving your tithe. But I'm talking about is it possible that your life could be consumed with the things of God? Is it possible that He could be the center of your attention today? Is it possible that you could step out from where you are like Peter did and walk to where Jesus is? We have what is called an altar area where people can come and they can pray. They can seek God. Is it possible that God could be speaking to your life 
and say, do you want more? Are you willing to have that focus on the main thing like I have? There's things that God will empower you to do when you have Him at the center of your attention. Peter did not realize the repercussions that would come of him stepping out of the boat. Peter did not realize what would take place following his stepping out of the boat. This message today is not just about you stepping out of the boat. It's not just about Peter walking on the water. But it is what happens as a result of Peter stepping out of his comfort zone and focusing his eyes upon Jesus. Saying, God, I want some more of what you've got. God, I want to step out, God, in faith. I want to be a part of what you're doing right now. Because the last few verses of this chapter tell us, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And he raised some doubts in some people's minds of who God was. They came to a greater revelation of who Jesus was. You may be praying for others in your family or your neighbors, thinking, God, give them revelation. God, give them understanding. Help them to see the truth. And God sometimes is saying, that's predicated on your stepping out in faith. That's predicated on your stepping out in faith, Peter. Peter, it's not till you get out of the boat and you begin to walk on the water, you begin to focus your eyes, and you begin to leave behind the comforts of the ship, and you begin to focus on me and not worry about the cares of this life. Peter, that's when those around you get their revelation, they get their understanding. When Peter, you step out of the boat, you say, I'm going to follow after God. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto them all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Healing can come to your world of influence following you're stepping out of your comfort zone and focusing your eyes upon God. Those in your world of influence that you prayed for, God, when are they going to come? God, when are you going to save mom and dad, brother and sister? When are you going to save son and daughter? God, when are you going to do these things? God, I've been praying about it and God saying, some things, Peter, amen, don't happen to you personally. Step out of the boat and you put your eyes on and you focus your eyes upon God. Peter, it's up to you today. It's up to you today to pull that lever of faith in your life and watch me move for your family and for your friends. Why don't we stand to our feet all across this house and why don't we lift up our hands to God and why don't we just close our eyes and talk to Him for a few moments. Hallelujah. Come on right there where you are. Let's reach up to the Lord. Let's talk to Him right now. God, I ask you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Give us receptive hearts. Lord, help us to receive your word. There's lots of things to be distracted with. 
God that attempt to take away our attention. But I wonder what would happen, God, if we said, God, you're going to be the main thing in my life. The main thing in my life. Hebrews chapter 11 is chock full of people that stepped out in faith. Story after story, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. Those that did great things for God. But Hebrews chapter 11, if you will, it continues in verse in chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He put aside shame. He sat down the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. When you get the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues, God gives you power to overcome every formidable foe. Everything that would come against you. Everything that would try to trip you up. When you get the power of the Holy Ghost, suddenly Hebrews chapter 11 continues with the stories of your life. And God can use you in 2017. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could all make our way to the altar as we close with the word of prayer here for a few moments. I'm inviting everybody to come to this front altar area with our families. Let's come. Come on, let's reach out to God right now as we close with the word of prayer. God, I want you to be the center of my family. Come on, if you're here with your family. Amen. If you're here with your family, take them by the hand. God, help me to make you the center of my family. Help us to make you the center of our family, Lord. The, the focus of our attention. God, be the center.